God saved you by his grace. Somebody say grace. grace. Say, somebody say grace again. Grace. So God saved you by his grace when you believe. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. Amen? Somebody say grace. Somebody say grace again. Well, you may be seated. You may be seated. Today we're going to start a little short series that we're just going to simply call Amazing Grace. I know a lot of you all are familiar with that. I'm not going to introduce the song today, but we may talk about that next time. But I do want to talk about grace. You know, in the Bible, the word grace has various shades of meaning. So I want to make sure that you understand the shade that I'm dealing with today. See, I'm not going to talk about grace as a significance or refinement, a movement. In other words, you know, what's her name, Simone Biles? In gymnastics, she do that with, but I ain't talking about that today. I'm not talking about grace as you being courteous or polite in speech. You know, because the Bible do tell us we ought to season our words with grace. But I ain't talking about that today, Cliff. The Bible also talks about, you know, sometimes you can get grace from your creditor. You know, when you're old folk. And they give you 30 days to make your next payment. They call that but I ain't talking about that today. And I'm not talking about grace as a short prayer before you eat. Amen. I know some of y'all don't say it. And if you ain't said it, you ought to at least be teaching your children. So the meaning that I want to focus on is the love and kindness shown to someone who does not deserve it especially to sinners. Amen. And the definition, the second part of it says, the free and unmerited favor of God as manifested in the salvation of sinners and the bestowal of blessings on them. So grace is a gift that is expressed in God's action of extending loving kindness, extending mercy and salvation to lost people. And the good thing about this grace, Sister Shirley, is that God extended it to people who was fighting against. It would have been easy, Brother JP, if he had to extend the grace to everybody who liked him, but he extended the grace to folks who was fighting and God manifested grace in the form of Jesus. And he made it possible for us to be get forgiven of our sins when he sent Jesus down to die for us. That was an act of, and that act of grace brought us into God's family. And we learned last week that Jesus' purpose for coming was to seek and to save that which was lost. So there is some significance about the work that Jesus done, had done for us and God's grace. And we say God's of amazing grace. The Bible says, for the law came through Moses, but grace and 
truth came through Jesus Christ. Somebody say, thank God for Jesus. And we ought to thank God for his In the book of Romans, chapter 3, verse 21 through 24, the earlier parts of this chapter, Paul had been making a point that all people, whether Gentile or Jews, are under the power and penalty of sin. In other words, he was telling us, Cliff, that no one is righteous. Then he started to chronicle and list sins that were committed. And he made abundantly, abundantly clear that no one ever could be made right by trying to keep all the commandments and all the laws. And because no one could live up to that standard, God had to send grace. Grace was God's solution to man's shortcomings. And no matter what man did, he could never live up to the standard that was set before him. And so Paul was letting us know that this grace that we have is not something that we can work for and earn. It is a gift of God. Now look at this. In verse 21, he says, in, in Romans chapter 3, he says, but now God has shown us a way to be made right. Somebody said to be made right. That's just saying God has shown us a way that we can be righteous with him without keeping the requirements of the law as was promised in the writing of Moses and the prophets long ago. So the promise was already made that grace was, was coming. God knew a long time ago that we weren't going to live up to the standard, so grace was already in the... Y'all better hear me today. So this was not something that God just haphazardly did. He already knew that grace was going to be a long time he said, now look at verse 22. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. Grace. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who you are, whether you're a Jew or a Gentile. He said, now look, for everyone, somebody shout everyone. Somebody shout everyone again. That includes you. Everyone has sinned. And we all, somebody say all. We all fall short of God's glorious. God set, the, God set the bar pretty high. And we could not come up to the bar. And so instead of lowering the bar, he gave us. Y'all better hear me today. He said, now look, yet God with undeserved kindness declares that we are righteous. He did this through Jesus Christ when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. Somebody say, you've been freed. It is up to you now to live and walk in that grace that you have been freed. You have this freedom that you maybe didn't even realize you have, and if you don't act like you have the freedom, you will find yourself still living in bondage to something that God has delivered you I come to free up some folk today. And I just want them to know that no matter what you've done, God's is sufficient. Amen. God's grace is sufficient. In Romans chapter 5, y'all can go there. I'm going to read just, this is a long one here, so I got to play with this for a moment. The main point that I want you to take away from this powerful passage is that God's amazing grace is universal. 
is universal. Just as sin and death is universal, so is God's grace and gift of life. Now, the Apostle Paul's contrast Adam and Christ to make this powerful point about grace. Y'all in Romans chapter 5? Look at this. He says, now look, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. We are where we are today when it comes to sin because of Adam. Amen. Amen. Y'all ain't got to get quiet right there, but that's just the truth. Now look at it. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to, somebody say everyone. everyone. For everyone, Adam put us in a bad position. Amen. And you know, if you know the story in the garden, you know when Eve, you know, kind of enticed the brother. But when God was looking for the guilty party, he called the first Adam was the prototype, and he messed things up. And because he messed things up, the second Adam had to come to write straight things out. Y'all follow me so far? He said, now look, yes, verse 13, people sinned even before the law was given. After Adam sinned, everybody else that was born after Adam, all the way to Moses, was still and the law had not even been. But it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. You know, years ago, Cliff, you may have been speeding and just didn't know it. But because you didn't know it, didn't mean you was, wasn't violating something. So in other words, someone had to create a to let you know how fast you can. But before that law came in effect, even though you used to drive beyond 70, at that time it was not, was not said to you. You didn't know. So the law came to remind you what sin is. That's why the law was written. Now look at it. He says, Still, even after the law was written and the law, you know, many broke the law, everybody died. Even after the law was given, we all still die. He says, from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even those who did not disobey an explicit commandment of God that they didn't hear what Adam heard, they were still breaking the law. He says, as Adam did, now look at this. Now Adam is a symbol, a representative of Christ who was yet to come. He was a prototype, but he didn't get it right. So the second Adam had to come to clean up what the first Adam messed up. Are y'all following this so far? He said, now look, because he makes it clear. But there is a great difference. Somebody say great difference. great difference. Between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. There's the difference. He says, for the sin of one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace 
and his gift of forgiveness to many through the other man. What's his name? What the Bible say? Somebody say Jesus Christ. Somebody say it like you know him. Somebody shout Jesus Christ. Amen. Now look here. One man messed it up, but another man got it right. And that's the man that we hold up and look up to, the one that got it. We live after him. We imitate him. We want to be like him because he got it. You don't want to follow a bad prototype. You don't want to follow the person that don't get it right. You want to follow somebody that's trying to get it. And don't follow man at all if you're trying to get it right. You need to follow Christ because he's the only one that got it all right. Amen. Man will let you down because some of us still got Adam's flesh. Some of us still got Adam. That nature of Adam is still in a lot of us. And sometimes we can let each other. So forgiveness didn't come through Adam. Don't come through Bolden. But forgiveness was through that other man. Jesus Christ. And look at this. In verse 16. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of the one man's sin, of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation. In other words, we was doomed. But God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though, somebody shout even though. Even though we were guilty of many You know, I had to stop right there. Many, a determiner, that whatever you did was more than one. So ain't nobody in here can say that I ain't never did but one thing wrong in my life. Because if you do, the Bible calling you a lie. I don't care how nice you are now, the smile on your face, I don't care how great you are, but Many. Many. And every now and then, you need to look back on what God has brought you from to see just how. (laughs) And I guarantee you, if you look back, you will see, thank God for grace. Because I was under that curse of. Some of y'all didn't have many, but you had more than one. Amen. Amen. So what we got to understand is that God has delivered us from the penalty, the penalty and guilt of many sins. Look at verse 17. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. You know, physical death is still ruling. It's just a reality of life. But we are thankful that because of grace, we know that physical death is not the end for us. So therefore, we have an expectation that go beyond the grave, or beyond cremation, or beyond spreading your ashes in the river. We believe there's something greater, something better. And, And you have to believe that because that's the great hope that you have. Because if that's not true, why even be here? Today, we believe that there's something. So that's still rule over many. 
But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph. Somebody say triumph. Triumph, triumph means you win something, don't it? Every time you triumph, you win something. And God expects you to live in over sin and death through this one man. So now God is telling me, okay, I can live in triumph over sin no longer have to rule your body. Sin no longer have to reign in your life. Because of grace, you can rule over it. When the battle was fought between grace and sin, grace And we went over death through our belief for eternal life. And all that was made possible by who? Now look at this, verse 18. Yes, Adam one sin bring condemnation to everyone, but Christ one act of righteousness bring a right relation with God and new life for, somebody say everyone. 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 All you got to do is believe on him. You in that everyone. That's good news for us. Look at this. He, say, he says this. Because one person disobeyed God, many became all because of Adam. We all was born into sin. We had, you just couldn't get around it. Even when you were the baby, sin was in you. Sin is in your children right now. They two years old, three years old. Sin is... You have to teach them to be right. You don't have to teach them to be bad. They are bad by... Y'all don't believe me? Just go to the kinder care. And, and watch a bunch of three-year-olds or two-year-olds act up in there. Nobody teach Biden 101. I don't see no parent will tell you, today I want you to go to school and I want you to get little Johnny and hold his hand and just bite him. <laughs> well, if you didn't teach Biden, where did Biden come from? Sin. You didn't teach selfishness? You have to teach them not to bite. You got to teach them to be good. Because the devil already did his part. They was born into. So that's why the Bible says many became. But because of one person, because the other person obeyed God, many will be made. So now we are righteous, not because of anything we've done but we're righteous because of what he has done. And so therefore, we got to be relying on the other man, not the first man. The first man got us in trouble, so he's not our example. We learn from him, but we try to live like the, the second man. Now look at this in verse 20. He said, now look, God's law was given so that all people, somebody say all people, all people could see how sinful they were. Cliff, the speed limit was given. 
so that you could see, I'm just using Cliff as an object lesson, how sinful you were. And even though the sign is posted now, every now and then, you just dabble in the sin. I mean, every now and then, you're just in a hurry, you see 70, but you're on the interstate. Every now and then. You don't see the sin because you're just trying to get to Montgomery from here. You don't see 80 versus 70. I'm just trying to get to my destination. But in God's eye, you're breaking the So some of y'all need grace just to drive from here to home. Amen. I see I got some speeders in the house. I see I got some speeders. So you got grace. You need some grace. And, and, and then you hope that when you get caught, that the highway patrolman or the police who catch you will give you grace. Say, so sitting right out there, all they got to do is wait to church. So just catch him. No, okay. So the law came to let us know just how bad we really were. So the law had to tell us you can't fornicate because that ain't good for you. The law had to tell you you can't commit a lie. Tell you, you can't supposed to lie because you just you know, just just lie. So because people just lying had to tell them can't just lie. But because God knew that the law was reminding you too much of stuff and you weren't paying no attention, He said we got to supplement that with. He said, now look at this verse 20 again. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more, they spread more and more. He says, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. Some of your Bible said, well, sin abound, grace abound. And see, that passage of scripture, that is a good get out of jail scripture. That whenever we sin and we repent, you know, God's grace is already there. He's ready to forgive. But see, sometimes when we read passages like that, we have a tendency to abuse God's grace. This passage is not designed for us to abuse grace. It's just designed to let us know that no matter what trouble we get into, grace is already there waiting on us. It is not to entice us to go get in trouble so that we can ask for grace. It's to let us know that when we do error, that grace is still available. Because God knows you're going to still make mistakes. He knows you're going to do some things wrong. But he said whenever you do wrong, grace abound even that much. So don't let nobody tell you you, are not, you don't have access to God's grace. No matter how hard someone do something he says wherever sin abound uh-huh. grace abound look at this verse 21 so just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death now God's wonderful grace rules instead grace is running your life now grace is running things and what does grace do giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So grace is ruling right now. You got to let grace rule in your life. You got to let grace reign in your life because if you don't let grace reign in your life, then you will still see yourself as being bound to sin. Amen. 
Somebody say amen again. Amen. Now look at this, my last turn. I want to get here real quick, last turn. And I'm still in Romans, last turn. Romans. Romans chapter 6, verse 10 through 14. Now that we had ex have accepted the gift of God's amazing grace, and because of the power of the Holy Spirit within us, we must not let sin rule over our bodies again. See, sin is no longer our master. We are no longer a slave to it. Because when Christ died and was raised from the dead, he broke the power of sin. And because we live under the freedom of God's amazing grace, then we got to realize that we are no longer a slave to sin. But in order to make that a reality in your life, it has to start in your head. You have got to see yourself like God see you in your mind so that your body will respond to what's in you. But if you still see yourself as bound to something, whatever is binding you up in your mind is going to carry itself out in your body. Let me show you this. He says, now look, in verse 10, he says, when he died, talking about Jesus, he died once, say once. He died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. Now look at this. But you also should consider, somebody say consider. consider. Now consider means that Cliff, every now and then we just got to sit down and think some things through. You got to think about some things before you do them. Because if you don't sit down and think about some things, your flesh is going. So he said, now look, so you also should consider, bring it to your mind, think about it, yourselves to be dead to the power of sin. If you never consider yourself dead, you will never act like you are dead. Because your body will still act like it is alive to sin because the flesh don't play fair. Therefore, you got to consider yourself dead in your mind so that you can keep flesh in. This for all of us. Flesh don't play fair with nobody. He don't discriminate. She don't discriminate. So he says, now, you also should consider yourself dead to sin dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Jesus Christ. You can't do it by yourself. You've got to rely on the Spirit of God and Jesus Christ's example before you because if not, you're going to find out you're going to fight a battle that you're going to lose trying to win it on your own. You was losing on your own already. Your record is not good by yourself. Amen. Just be honest with yourself. You don't have to sit here and try to act like you was a champion over you before you got saved. You were, you were the loser. I mean, everybody's going to say, you don't try to play me. You ain't going to sit here and play me. I know what flesh do, and I know how we were, because he said we had many. You were losing. So if you get back out there without having your head in the game, you're going to lose again. Uh, Y'all didn't want to hear that. It, 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 these messages, when you talk about grace, see, if I was talking about eloquent speech, 
I would be getting a different reaction. I would be seasoning my word with grace. So y'all would feel good. But that ain't what I'm talking about. I'm trying to make you remember that you got something that you didn't. And because you didn't deserve it, Brother JP, you can't now allow something that God has freed you up from to control you again. Now that's a process. But you got to start in your mind winning that process. Amen. Because the battle between you and your old you is going to always exist till you die. There's a war that's going to go on inside of you. But you got to know that on the inside of you, there's something that can help you win that war. Look here. Look at verse 12. Because he makes this pretty clear. He's talking about how we're living. He says, now look, do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. How many of you know they still come? You saved now, you feel the Holy Ghost, got all that. But them desires, if you don't get your head right, they still come. That's what they're supposed to do because there's a war going on in you. But because you see yourself as triumphant in that war, you got to take captive all those thoughts that come. Because if you don't take captive of the thought when it comes to your mind, it's going to stay there and start manifesting things. So now look what he says again. I know this is not good, good teaching because this is what I hear people say. I'm, I just don't like donology. I just got to preach you donology today. I mean, donology. Do not. <laughs> That's don'tology. They say, young folk don't like don't, don't, don't. They don't like the requirements. They just want to live. But he said, don't. Do not. Let sin control the way you live. If you don't put that do not there, you're going to do whatever you want to do. God have mercy. Don't, don't y'all get too deep on me right there, because that's very simple right there. Just, just, just work with me just for a few minutes. I ain't got much longer to go. Look, he said, don't let sin control the way you at home, on your job. As I heard the brother say today, in the gym. <laughs> I, I, I said, it was in my message. That's a, that's a teaching point. Don't let sin control the way you no matter where you are in Walmart don't let control the way you cause we can lose it in Walmart don't let sin do not let sin control the way you live. It lets me know, Cliff, that if I don't do not, sin will control. So young people and those of you who don't like negative teaching, 
I just got to read what the master said to read. Do not. Let, and this ain't for y'all. Because y'all sinning days over. I know it. This is for y'all children. Y'all need to tell this lesson to them. Because y'all be beyond this right now. So I'm just wasting my time with y'all. But I'm just teaching y'all so y'all can teach somebody else. Amen. Can we be friends right there? So now... When I read this, y'all just see yourself talking to your children instead of me talking to you. Do not let sin control the way you live. Johnny, when you go to school tomorrow, do not let sin control the way you live. And if you don't let sin control the way you live, I probably won't get a note sent home with you. Do not let sin control the way you live. Now, can I get back to the grown folks? Some of y'all know what it was like when you was living under the control. And because of grace, you ought to be able to shout. Hallelujah right now. Because of grace. Because of God's unmerited favor. He looked down at your life and saw how you was living, but he still extended in spite. So since he did that, he has a right to come back and say, Cliff, now that I've extended grace to you, now don't let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful Another do not. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument to the evil of, to, to instrument of evil to serve sin. Now look, I, I like that part too. I had to slow down right there. He says, now do not let any part. Man, the body got many parts. So that means sin can work through a lot of parts. You know, if you're a glutton, sin works through your nose and your taste bud. Y'all didn't want to hear that, did you? I know. Well, you, you're attacking me. I'm just saying, gluttony is a, and three pieces of cake is just too much. If I, if I was speaking to the fornicators and the adulterers, everybody would be all right. But when you start messing with the, us overeaters, why you got to even mess with that? Because well, he says, do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Your eyes. Say, brother, say that. Y'all were writing the message today. Your eyes. Don't let them be an instrument to serve. Now, we can't apply Jesus' remedy for that. Jesus, Major, said if your eye offend you, what did it say? Now, I know y'all say, I know he, went, he didn't mean that literally. He was just figuratively speaking when he said that. But he was trying to let you know how your eyes can get you in. And that a lot of times, you don't have to commit the act if your eyes are already engaged in that. 
Because in God's eyes, once it get in your head, sin. So he says, don't let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely, somebody say completely, to com completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have now you have new life. In other words, we were dead in our sins, but when we accepted Jesus Christ, he gave us new life. There's a new you now. And God is saying you got to feed the new you and not the old you. You got to see yourself as walking in the newness of. So he says now, so use your whole, somebody say your whole body. Your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Of God. That's why we are to glorify God in our body. And we are to use our bodies with the aid and help of the Holy Spirit to do what is right. Because as Christians and as children of God, when we do what is right, we bring glory to God. No different than when your children do what's right. When your children go out and do all the things that you have been teaching them and they act in agreement with all the things you teach them, when people see them, they give you credit for that because they bring glory to you. It does God good when we do what he expects us to, to do. Last verse. He says, so now look at this. So, sin is no longer, somebody say no longer. Sin is no longer your master. You got a new master now. And it's no longer sin. So therefore, since sin is no longer your master, grace has set you free from the bondage of sin. So therefore, you should no longer be operate under something that you have been set free from. He says, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. In other words, God's grace is supposed to set us free. And we ought to be so glad that in spite of what we have done, in spite of what we are going to do, God's grace is still available. Because where your sin abounds, grace abounds. And when Paul was writing this to the Romans, Cliff, he had to caveat it in the next verse by saying, you know, someone asked the question. Someone was thinking in the natural. They didn't get this thing spiritually, Cliff. They said, you know, well, if that's the logic that you're going to apply, brother teacher, where sin abound, grace abound that much more, then logically I should just keep on so that I can keep on getting but Paul said, certainly not. Even though grace is available for whenever we error, it is not there for us to, uh, to abuse. So therefore, we enjoy preaching the grace message, but at the same time, we don't preach it in fear that someone's going to interpret it. Well, pastor gave me a license to kill. Because <laughs> he told me in the scripture, where Sin abound, grace abound that much more. 
It abounds because God gave the ultimate price for you to have grace. And there's nothing that you can do to belittle the price that he paid for you. When he gave his son, there's nothing you could do to add up to the value of what Jesus' life meant to him compared to what sin you commit against him. So it would be bad on him to hold stuff against you because it would make him look bad for giving his son for Cliff. So as long as Cliff come to his senses and, and act like, I'm sorry, Father, for what I've done, grace is going to be there. And I hope that we're growing and maturing to the point that we don't have to always play the grace card. But every now and then, one of those minis may pop up. You got rid of 99 of them, but one showed up. Because you didn't consider. And because you didn't give it consideration, bam, that is. And you got to say, God, I got to pull out the grace car. Because I'm standing in the need of your. Amen. We all need it. Amen. Amen. And it's something that God is always willing to give. So let's give God a hand clap of praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 God's amazing grace. And we thank God for being such a gracious God. And and I was reading a story, and I'm through preaching. I was reading a story of the, the guy who wrote Amazing Grace. Man, when I share some of his story and what he was, oh, God, I know why he wrote that. I mean, I know why. And, 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 oh, and what he was doing to our people? Oh, man. Some of us wouldn't have that kind of grace on him. But I'll share that with y'all later. But I think it's worth knowing since we sang his song, and you know, it's a, almost an anthem in the black church. Used to be a time I was growing up, you couldn't even get up to preach without hearing a, a man. How sweet the sound. I can't say, but I shall remember that, that say the wretch. Every head bowed and every eye closed, amen. <laughs> Glory to God.